0: The uh, archbishop sent a letter to all the priests of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And along with that letter, he included a summary, actually a a two-and-a-half, three-page summary of the various court cases that have been happening regarding the HHS mandate. I know it's been a while since we've spoken about this theme. I'm not going to speak about this theme tonight. But just so you're aware that there have been a lot of local um... court rulings regarding the HHS mandate and religious freedom and the vast majority of them have been ruling in favor of upholding the religious freedom of whether it be uh, diocese for example the archdiocese of new york and her hospitals as well private employers right not always in every case as you're probably familiar with uh... hobby lobby did not as of yet get their exemption but. Uh, so many other, even private employers, are obtaining the exemption uh, of, for their religious, um, for religious freedom. So again, that's something to keep praying. You're obviously doing a good job, and it's actually a good thing that these local courts are ruling in that direction. So again, this summary, and it starts from about November, from the time of the elections until uh, January, There's a summary of all the different court cases and how they've been ruling and what has been the reasoning behind the local judges. So, again, not to bore you with details tonight, right? Someone's already complaining over there. But uh, (laughs) that's okay. I'll stop. But uh, so that summary of court cases, right, will... um, We'll, we'll copy that and we'll put that as an insert in the bulletin next weekend. Okay, so I did speak to Father Jan about that, and that's something that he does want to do and make available to you. It's very interesting to have that knowledge. As well, an interesting thing, uh, an important thing to remember is that on Tuesday we will be remembering 40 years of Roe versus Wade, and it's an important occasion for us to pray for everyone who's affected by Abortion in our society, right? And I mean obviously not only the child, but also all these women, right? Not only the women, but also those fathers right who are suffering tremendously in a deep way Right if any of you know of someone who is suffering or feels like they don't have any other option in their life Right. It's it's a crisis moment right when that happens to please let them know that their church is wanting them to come and to speak and to find that consolation, to find help within the parish. So I personally am more than happy to speak to anyone that uh, might be here in a tough situation or anyone that you might know that's in a tough situation. So please encourage them right, to not be afraid to tell them that there is someone here that loves them dearly, that does care about them. And I would ask each and every one of you to please keep that in your prayers. So many people are suffering in our country who are carrying a burden that they don't need to carry. Today, we read in the Gospel, Jesus performs his first miracle. right? And it happens within the context of a marriage. And it's, I think, on the one hand comforting to see that marriages have always had this tendency for something to always go wrong right those of you who are married and i see a lot of people grinning out there and chuckling i think it is true like most people i've heard so many of the stories right that everything's set for the wedding ceremony and then all of a sudden disaster strikes and the priest either says the wrong woman's name or the bride faints or the groom faints or the bride shows up at the wrong church and there's a gazillion different stories that i've heard and that are true right that happened during a wedding. And it's comforting to know that, well, even in the time of Jesus Christ, right, disaster stroke as well in that wedding, right? Here they are and they're having a party and don't think they had a few bottles of wine, right? The Jews, for a wedding feast, they celebrated for three, four days, five days. I mean, they they really lived it up, right? They really celebrated this union of A man and a woman right they celebrated it and an essential part of that celebration was the wine right that wine which symbolized joy not only symbolized but actually brought joy depending on how much you drank right but it was an essential part of that wedding feast and it would be extremely embarrassing for a couple if the wine started to run out Right, imagine if you were at a New Year's Eve party at your home, right, and it came time, you know, you're all watching the the ball drop on the television at midnight, and you walk out and you're like, well, I only have enough champagne for three of you, but I've got some water if anyone wants some water, right? That would be pretty embarrassing. You'd probably get a few comments from the people there kind of like, oh, what? What are you talking about? And that's the situation of this couple. And yet, How, and this is what I want to concentrate briefly on with you tonight, how did Jesus Christ work his first miracle? Did he say, let there be wine, and there was wine, right? Like Genesis. Let there be light, and there was light. No. The servants come over, and he says, you see those six stone water jars? That hold approximately twenty to thirty gallons each, go fill them up, and the servants go and they get the water and don 't think they had a hose right, and they brought the hose over and then you know and then you know filled up each one of the uh, stone water jars, which would take long enough in itself, they probably when they got some other pitchers or glasses or jars and it took them a while to fill up those stone water jars and they're probably thinking to themselves okay why are we needing to fill up all these stone water jars we need wine not water and yet they did it and jesus then tells them to take a sample of that water take it to the head waiter who tastes it and it becomes the best wine How many times in our life do we run out of wine, so to speak? How many times in our life do we just get into the grind of our daily routine and that joy, that happiness, all of a sudden starts to go away? And I don't know if this happens to you, right? But it definitely now and again happens to me as well. <laughs> you go into your daily grind, and after a while it's that, that effort to keep doing and keep serving and keep loving. right? And when at times that happiness, that joy can start to wane in our life. So to speak, that wine can start to run out. And what is it that Jesus Christ needs from us? What is it that he's asking of us? He's asking for that common water that is our day-to-day activities. Those things that we do day in and day out that to us seem trivial, to us seem like they're not going to bring any joy or any happiness. But the minute that we take That water, that is our daily activities, our daily grind, our daily routine, and we take that water, so to speak, that common thing, our daily routine, and put it at the service of Jesus Christ. He turns it into wine. He gives us happiness, He gives us joy when we offer Him our daily lives when Jesus Christ becomes a part of what I do day in and day out. And secondly, we can think of the servants. Not only the joy and the miracle that can happen in our own lives, but we need to remember that many times we can be aiding and helping Jesus to perform a miracle in the life of someone else even though all we see is that pitcher of water that we're daily pouring into that stone jar, little do we realize that Jesus is going to transform that and turn that into a miracle that will help someone else's life. And so I'd ask you to reflect on those two things today as we've read this gospel. To ask yourself, if that wine is running out in my life, Maybe I need to put more water at the service of Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm living my day apart from Jesus Christ. And secondly, to not lose sight of the fact that many times we are instrumental in Jesus performing miracles for other people.